Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Dose of Leadership Podcast, Episode 166. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, hey welcome to the show. Richard Ryerson here. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Thank you so much for uh, all your support, and please make sure you're telling your friends, your family, your coworkers about the show. We continue to grow by leaps and bounds. We are consistently a top 25 business podcast on iTunes, and I couldn't do it without your support. If you could, if you haven't done so, please go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review this show. It does so much to the visibility of this of this show. There's new podcasts coming out every day, and we continue to stay out in front. You know, I want to keep it front and center. And so with your help, we can continue to do that. Please subscribe, rate, and review. It means so much to me. I want to do some brand new friends to the show, partnering with 99designs. You know, they've helped me so much with my branding of the business that, you know, branding is the face of your business. You can make a great impression with creative professional designs from 99designs. I love what they do there. Visit 99designs.com slash leadership and get a power pack upgrade absolutely free. I'm so excited to have on my show today, Tim Lawson. It's always a favorite of mine or fun time of mine when I can get former Marines on the show, being a former Marine myself. Tim Lawson is the founder of Lawson Entertainment, and he is the host of the Veteran Empire podcast. You know, Tim uh, battled cancer at a young age and later enlisted in the Marine Corps, and he spent the early part of his Marine career as an aviation supply specialist. He later transitioned to the Marine Corps Embassy Security Guard program and served at the U.S. embassies in Algeria, Russia, and Peru. Tim left the Marine Corps and went on to found the Lost Entertainment while he attended um, American University in Washington, D.C. And he is the host of the Veteran Empire podcast, which spotlights military veterans who are doing significant, creative, aspiring, and interesting thing with their lives outside of the military. He's got a new project, too. It's called the uh, One Too Many podcast, where uh, Tim is uh, focused on veteran suicide. So, Tim, uh, welcome to the Dose of Leadership podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's fun on two fronts. You're a podcaster, which is fun to talk to. And of course, being a Marine yourself, which I always enjoy talking to. So tell us, you know, I went through your quick bio there. Tell us a little more about yourself. I mean, why you're so passionate about podcasting, leadership, and uh, the, the project you're on. Yeah, well, uh, you know, to hit that in order, um, podcasting is something I never really saw myself uh, doing until just a few years ago. Um, granted, podcasting isn't that old itself, but uh, I, I originally had a, a blog called A Couple of Good Ideas that was focused on establishing healthy relationships. And I, I was a podcast consumer at the time, but uh, I had never thought about doing my own. And finally, one of my friends who also enjoyed listening to podcasts wanted to do his own, dug my project, and was like, hey, we should do a podcast. So I, you know, why not? So I gave it a shot. And 
I enjoyed it and I soon got involved with Veteran Empire and immediately was like, this needs a podcast too. Conceptualized that one, started doing the Veteran Empire podcast, which at the time was the only veteran focused podcast that you know you could really find around. So it was sort of cool to uh, be one of the first, you know, people into that realm, especially in, in the podcasting industry. And, you know, a couple of years goes by and I'm really enjoying podcasting. I love the medium. I love audio. I love conversation. And so I started conceptualizing other shows I wanted to do, like the Bromantic Comedy, the Capital Experience, and now the One Too Many Project. And, you know, every day I think of a new, like, fun show to yeah. do. But of course, I got to keep myself, <laughs> right. you know, reined in. Four has already uh, proved to be uh, a little much for, for me, but I, I, I stay with it. And I, I think what's really... On the leadership side, I think what's really um, significant about podcasting and how I've used it to present leadership is, you know, you, you mentioned the One Too Many project that that it's uh, telling the stories behind veteran suicide. You know, the first episode was my own story and it was sort of my way of sort of leading from the front and, yeah. sh and showing people that I'm not asking anybody to do something I'm not willing to do. Um, so, you know, the first episode um, John Lee Dumas, an Army veteran, came on to co-host, and he interviewed me about my uh, my struggles with suicidal behavior, and sort of showed everybody who had already supported the project that not only am I, you know, not only am I willing to take the reins on this project, but I'm also willing to lead everybody who wants to be involved. Well, what I appreciate about you and and what I heard in there, and I, I think it's so great. I too am found you know podcasting to be such a great medium and i'm always coming with ideas too and i appreciate your authenticity and your vulnerability to kind of go to the forefront i think you would agree that that is really the key to having these authentic conversations and what's so great about this medium so to talk to me a little bit about um your struggle let everybody know about we can um your kind of uh, path down the, the the suicide and then why you're so passionate about it now yeah, well, you know, I, a lot of it has a lot of it through most of my life had to do with just my own philosophy on life. You know, a lot everybody struggles with it, and whether you're spiritual or religious or not, uh, you know, everybody has sort of a philosophy on life on what the value of their life is. And just a, you know, a few times in my life, I had come to you know almost rational points where I was like, my life ultimately doesn't really have any value. Not that I don't think I'm important to people, but in the grand scheme of the entire universe. Who am I? Um, and, you know, when you come to realizations like that, you're like, well, dying probably isn't that big of a deal then. Um, and when you come to that realization, depression can be really difficult. You know, you because not only are you in this uh, horrible emotional state, but you've already before getting here have accepted the fact that dying is probably not that big of a deal. Um, and I had experienced that a couple of times in my life. And uh, I had attempted once and fortunately was unsuccessful. And you know, coming, you know, fast forward to, you know, and that was what, 10 years ago, maybe six years ago. And, you know, fast forward to now, veteran suicide is this huge thing all over the, over the, all over the politics and in, you know, it's very topical. And I just feel like we're having the wrong conversation. You know, we're talking around the problem and not to the problem. And I wanted to, just like most people who get passionate about a cause, I wanted to do my part to be influential in it. And podcasting was the medium that I knew how to do it. And my own experiences were sort of what led me 
that made me confident that I was going to be able to do it successfully. So what are we missing about, you know, the current situation or at least uh, at least our general perceptions about veteran suicide and, and why is it, you know, increasing and becoming such a, uh, on the forefront now? I mean, what, what are we missing? Well, I think that, I think what we're missing specifically is I think we're trying to look up um, in society for answers when we need to figure out answers and start talking down. And what I mean by that is we're, we're looking for, we're looking for the, the VA to fix itself. We're looking right. for Congress to pass legislature to quote unquote, make it easier to get, you know, help when really we need to be figuring out how do we talk to these veterans? How do we talk to these people who are struggling and how can we as a community assist them versus wait for more answers from people that we know aren't very good at giving them. And, and so, you know, that's one of the reasons why I, I chose this sort of show is I wanted to, again, I wanted to lead the nation in the conversation um, about suicide, that it's okay to talk about these issues. It's okay to talk about, I mean, we've all been sad, you know I mean? Like sure. this is an emotion that we're, we're, we all can understand the, you know, it may not be as extreme from case to case and we all haven't experienced the same, uh, you know, same depths within it, but you know, sadness is something we all can understand. And that's, you know, sort of the root of suicidal behavior is some sort of sadness, some sort of frustration, some sort of emptiness. And that's something we all can understand. And so, you know, I think that we're all much more capable of helping each other through any emotional um, troubles than, than I think we give ourselves credit for. So I wanted to, you know, so I think that's what we're missing. We're missing the... You know, we're missing the human conversation between two people who can understand each other uh, and through that conversation build a bridge that then you can rely on to go back across when you're having an issue or when you're having tra- problems. And instead of just sort of waiting around, I mean, the number is what, 22 a day? Yeah. And, something. you know, for every day, if you think about it, for every day we wait around for more legislature, that's 22 more that we potentially lost. And not to say that, you know, producing a podcast is going to make people stop killing themselves. But I think when people hear these conversations, like the one I released today, Zachary Bell at Courage Beyond told his story about how he, how he heard about his friend who had committed suicide and how, you know, his response to it and how he felt about it and how he was actually feeling the same way. And it, and it just kills him to know that that's a conversation they could have had um, and potentially have saved a life there. And, to, you know, showing people that these are real conversations that, that no one's really alone in all this, um, you know, that I think that's what we're missing. You know, I think one thing that it, the kind of the, um, I don't know if lazy is the right word, but I think the, the immediate go-to when you think about veteran suicide, you think, well, it's obviously it's because of the war and post-traumatic stress and everything else. But I even right. remember before uh, the war was in high gear, um, it was always it's always a problem. It's always higher in the military, and I never, I, I didn't really think about it so much. But you know, we had the training about how to recognize it in your own folks and kind of the warning signs. And you know, you watch some of the kind of I thought they were kind of cheesy videos. They never really hit the mark. They weren't that authentic, um, and all that training. But why is it higher in the military? I mean, obviously the war has something to do with it. Why do you think it's so high though? Um, I think I mean. Combat-related PTSD makes it easy to understand why it's high in the military. Sure, um, you know, and like you said, it's not always that. So when you step out of that, it's a great question. You know, so now what makes the military so different? Um, I think that uh, transitioning is a little different. 
Um, I think transitioning from from a military career to a to a different career is a lot different than than other career transitions um, because of just the subculture you're moving away from. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of a lot of military personnel have a hard time um, translating, you know, who they are. A lot of identity, you know, the military is who they identify as, and when they move into a realm that doesn't recognize that as important, that's that can start being. Uh, yeah. difficult for them to swallow. That's a great point. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, but I just wanted to highlight that point because you're absolutely right. Because I think in the military, uh, even without thinking about it, you are part of something bigger than yourself, something that gives you a sense of significance. And you're right. When that's taking away, um, that can be a lonely place, can it not? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about, you know, when I was a PFC, uh, which is an E2, so I mean, I, I was fresh out of boot camp. Um, I was responsible for ordering and, ex- and, and expediting high-priority parts for helicopters that were getting ready to go to combat. And, you know, just that role lets me know, like, what I'm doing right now is actually very significant. Right. You know, what I'm doing is I can see, you know, I can trace the line between my efforts here in Jacksonville, North Carolina, you know, where I was stationed at the time. I can see how my efforts directly connect with this all the way to what's happening in Iraq and what, and what, you know, everything that, you know, how that all connects, you know, I make sure that this part gets on time, that bird trains on time, that bird gets the combat well trained, and now they can execute missions out where, you know, and forward and help our troops out over there. When you're a, you know, when you're middle management at Best Buy, you you can't make that same trace. That's right. Of, exactly right. I know that my efforts here as the, um, as the, you know, evening shift manager and i'm not talking down to that position i'm just saying you know you can't see it's harder to trace that line between here are my efforts here and i can see how this is making best buy as a company succeed yeah you know and i i think that uh you know that's something that is different from i think that's what makes this one of the things that make the military subculture different than uh than other career areas is it's it's difficult to see how your small role is immediately impacting a a very vital role right oh i cut you off there was there some other point there that um that you had i i there was there's a lot of points there's there's so many points for me to make that uh sometimes i'm like hey i got three points i'm gonna make and i get to the first one and i'm like i don't remember what those other two were (laughs) it happens to be all the time what what can we do i mean especially from a leader standpoint i mean um I think, you know, we're all obligated, regardless of our position or title. I mean, especially if we've got family members, we've got our kids, we've got brothers, sisters, spouses. I mean, what are the things that we can recognize? What are the things that we need to do to take a leap of faith, be courageous and kind of have those conversations? Because I think we just don't want to, we don't want to broach the subject. We don't want to, ah, I don't want to bother them. I don't want to offend them. I mean, but there's got to be something courageous that we have to do. We have to dig down deep and take some leap of faith. Yeah. I mean, and I think... Uh, I should definitely I'll proceed my answer to this with I there's just some people that just I don't I don't know if it's a chemical imbalance or if it's just something that they they can't talk themselves out of out of. But all of the things that I think we could do to help derail suicidal behavior, I've heard in some stories it still ended in suicide. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I, I definitely want to put a disclaimer that I don't believe that there's a fix or I don't believe that there's a pool of fixes that if you find the right one, you're going to save somebody. Right. Because um, you know, unfortunately, we all just don't think and act the same. And so but you know, I think one removing stigma from that uh, that awkward conversation is so it's hard. Uh, but it's very important. 
because, you know, it's hard. I mean, you're told, oh, I remember what I was going to say earlier. The, the military approaches catching the signs of suicide like they present catching the signs of overheating. Right. You know what I mean? Like they present <laughs> it the same way. Exactly. Here's how you can tell if someone's suffering from heat trauma, and here's how you can tell if someone's going to kill themselves. And right. it's like presented with the same, look for these signs. If it's there, uh, react. If it's not, cool. Uh, which unfortunately is, it's, and that's why the military sucks at suicide prevention training is that they, um, there's just no, there's no grasp on how human emotions really work. Um, but I was going to say, the stigma behind that conversation is, so, I mean, to ask anybody, you know, Richard, to ask you, you know, are you thinking about harming yourself? I mean, that's really hard for me to ask you. Right. Because I'm implying many things, right? One, I'm implying that, that at, at this point, I believe that that may be true. Um, if I'm wrong, it's going to, it's like, well, how, what interaction did you and I have to make me believe that? And if I'm right, are you going to throw up your guard and defend yourself because now you feel vulnerable? Right. So it's so hard to yeah, ask that question and successfully penetrate that that truth and grab hold of you know of the root cause and, and solve it. So, you know, I think we need to we need to start looking at practical ways to influence someone's life when we think maybe that may be the case, or even when it's not the case. You know, why wait for the signs to to respond? There's a lot of there's a lot of simple uh, signs we can. Um, there's a lot of simple things you know we can do to help boost each other um, emotionally and, and mentally. And you know, one thing I think is empathy, obviously, and that's just helping people understand that you uh, that you care and that and not just I care about what where your problem is, but like I care about your life. I have genuine interest in who you are as a person. So you know, Richard, how's your podcast doing? You know, how was your trip? Stuff like that. Simple questions like that. Not and not just small talk, but really tell me about it. That reassures you that someone is actually taking, you know, taking the time to care about your life. Second part I, uh, that I, uh, you know, that I preach is renewed purpose. You know, this is something that the, the military definitely suffers from. Is like we mentioned, you can have such a vital role in the military at such a, in such in the infancy of your career, and then you move on to what's even considered an important role in another company, but still not find not feel that same purpose. Right. Um, so being able to find that. Um, you know, I don't have to see that someone is possibly uh, suicidal to want to do this for them. This is just something we should be doing for veterans to, in general. It help them find that renewed purpose, help them to find that motivation in their life. Um, and then thirdly, mentorship, you know, providing people an opportunity to uh, to be mentors uh, or to find them mentorship. Um, and I think, you know, anybody who's ever listened to like business podcasts would know, would know that mentorship is a huge deal. Right. You know, finding a, a, a business mentor or a life mentor is is key to having to being a successful business owner. Well, if it's so vital there, why aren't we just doing it in general? It's right. You know, like, you know, why aren't we helping establish those connections? Um, and, and, I, and I know I sort of sort of started talking around your original question of like, how, you know, how do we have these conversations um, that are not easy to have? Well, I think, 
And you know, my answer to that is really, I don't know if we even have to have those conversations right, right away. Yep. I agree with you. And I think it's, it goes to the heart of really of, of leadership and what I think is missing. It's, it's not about too often, no, no, but everything that we do, I mean, it's at some point, it, it is self-serving at some point. I mean, we're trying to find, find our passion, where we fit, what's our purpose, all those things. But at some point, if you're stepping up in, as leaders and, and you realize that leadership is an obligation and a lifelong journey that never ends, at some point you have to realize successful leadership means focusing external not thinking about ourselves, thinking about them. And that by naturally what you're talking about there is now we're not, you know, doing the checklist mentality of like, oh, do I recognize these signs and go? It's just, you're just getting involved with other human beings that, that are around your circle. It's about being selfless and sacrificial in, in every aspect of your life. And by that, naturally, you're going to kind of recognize at least you would hope um, some signs that you might not have seen if you would have just been focusing on ourselves, which most of us tend to do. And that's what society does. I think we, we're just kind of a selfish society. And the more that we can focus on each other, the better it's going to be, I guess. And I agree yeah, with you. Absolutely. You know, not, not a checklist. Hey, halfway through the show, I want to take some time out, just a brief moment to talk about my partners at 99designs. You know, if you were like me in the beginning, I remember I was dreaming of a logo, a perfect website design, but I didn't know how to get started. I was worried about a budget. Well, that's where 99designs came in, and they can certainly help. 99designs is the world's largest graphic design marketplace, and it makes it easy for you to, to get a design that you love. Just go to their website, tell them about the design you need, and pick a price package that works for you. And that's where the fun really starts up, and this is what I loved about the process. Desi designers from all around the world will submit awesome designs, and you give them your feedback. And within a week, you get to pick out your favorite and be the proud owner of a gorgeous unique new design with thousands of designers at your fingertips there's no limit to what you can get designed i've used 99 designs and i love working with them and what they did for me so what is it that you need you can boost your brand's visibility with a t-shirt drive more traffic with a sleek new banner ad or a landing page whatever it is you need projects start at just 199 dollars, and your happiness is always 100 percent guaranteed visit 99designs.com slash leadership and you can get a 99 dollars power pack of services absolutely free today go check them out you know one thing that i've in the past in the handful of people that i've come across where suicide was brought up or an attempt and i remember being angry at them and i remember thinking oh god come on if you're gonna do it you're gonna do it don't be messing around and, and that's that makes me angry and i just got to be honest sometimes if somebody says you know i feel like i'm gonna kill myself and everything else i i didn't feel sorry for them because i didn't feel like it, that was coming from an authentic dark place because the people that i knew that did commit suicide it, it rocked my world i didn't see it coming because yeah. you know i wasn't paying attention and the, and the people that i said oh, i want to feel like i kill myself they never do and it's a kind of a it's a cry for help i guess but it makes me angry i mean uh, what are your thoughts on that yeah i mean it's you know it goes back to that you know the tale of you know the boy who cried wolf right yeah um you know enough people say it and then they don't do it to make you uh start questioning people who are legitimately coming forward for help and then at the same time um, it makes you think, well, if, if the people if I see more people claiming they want to you know, commit suicide and they don't, you know, how you know, if they, if that's not the right signal, what is exactly you know, like if that's not a signal of someone's going to actually kill themselves and really what is um, I don't know, it's. It's one of those things of, you know, like an airport when you're walking around the hole, if you see something, say something. Yeah. Um, deal, you know, even if that bag that's left alone is completely empty or it's got nothing but a pillow inside of it, it's still important to report it and address it. Um, you know, if someone is 
threatening suicide, you know, if they're claiming they want to kill themselves, it's still, you know, I think it's still, you know, that still warrants a conversation. Absolutely. Um, either with them or just the people that they're close to, you know, someone that they, um, you know, something I, I encourage people all the time is if you think someone's having trouble and you're not comfortable with addressing them yourself, find someone that they look up to and let them know what's going on because they'll most likely be have an easier conversation uh, with that person. So, you know, if, if you've heard someone, you know, mention, I want to kill myself a few times and it's almost hard to, after the third time, wonder if it's still legitimate or if it's a or if it's like, you know, the quote unquote, you know, screaming for attention or whatever it may be, you know, it's still important to tell someone that's close to them, like, look, this is how they're responding. And I, I think someone needs to address it. Um, it's unfortunate that stuff like that happens and sort of dilutes the way people view cries for help. But, um, you know, I think if you if even if you find just a simple way to respond to each one of them consistently, you know, even if it's 10 of them later and you, you address one and that was that was actually the legitimate one and you yeah. were able to help derail that that behavior. You know, I, I think it's worth going through the first nine to do so. Yeah, I mean, there's no no right or wrong answer to that I'm sure. I mean, it's like you said, we can't we can't break it down to a checklist so much and it's better safe than sorry. Yeah. What do you th- what going back to your experience with the Marine Corps? I talk about this on the show a lot about how much uh, I never realized how much it transformed or was impactful in my life. How about you? Did the Marine Corps how much of it did it impact and and does it stay with you even today with all the endeavors you're in? Yeah, I mean possibly, I mean it was five and a half years of my life and it'll um it's five and a half years that I'll keep you know it's labeling me the same way for the the rest of my life right as a as a marine corps veteran um no matter how much i try to let that go even other people you know embrace it and and give it to me right so right. um it's definitely um you know and in most cases it's not until you receive some sort of accomplishment achievement or education whatever that people give you a title that lasts the rest of your life um you know if you were if you were once a firefighter but no longer a firefighter, you're not consult- considered a firefighter veteran. Um, you know, you know what I mean. Like no one calls you that. Right. Uh, it's not you know. But if you're you know if you receive a doctorate, so you're considered a doctor for the rest of your life and whatnot. And I think what that's one thing that makes the military really interesting is you know whether you serve two years or forty, you know you're a veteran, yeah. and that's what you did. And regardless of what you did, how you did it, or how good you did it, did it, um, that's a label that people are constantly going to give you and. It fortunately and to and you know and while we're talking right now has a positive stigma um, versus negative, which is really convenient for our generation. Right. Um, and I think it has helped because um, you know I've been able to go through my endeavors more smoothly um, and with more confidence, knowing that I'm already associated with a good group of people, and I already I have this credential that people are going to trust when I approach them about something. So that's one of the reasons why the Veteran Empire podcast was so successful initially is it didn't matter who I reached out to. If I was able to get my message in front of someone like a email or a phone call and said, hey, I'm Tim, I'm a Marine veteran and I do this podcast. I know you're a veteran. I want to feature you. Didn't matter who they were. If I could get that message in front of them, the fact that veteran commonality that we had, you know, got me those interviews every time. And so I think that's one thing that's that's something that, that we don't really think about. Uh, I think when, how the military sort of sticks with us and what it does for us is that veteran label. It gives people, you know, it, people will trust you and they want and they want to help you. Um, so that's one. That's obviously one thing. And, um, 
you know, we talked about we talked a little bit before before the show about how being a you know being a follower and being able to show society that you're a good follower is just as important as showing how wonderful of a leader leader you are. Um, and I think that's one thing that the military did a great job of was shaping me up to be a leader, but also, you know, teaching me like what it means, you know, what it takes to look the other direction and look up and, you know, and to be uh, an efficient follower that way as well. Yeah. Like a huge element of leadership. You're absolutely right. Every time we think it's just about leading from the front, but really a lot of the real meaningful leadership happens in the middle with people who aren't have the titles because you've got those people who are vested in making the team, the organization, the bigger picture succeed and not take credit. Now, you're absolutely right. I think the Marine Corps in particular does a very good job of that. I think a lot of people on the outside look at it as, oh, it's just people blindly following orders. But I didn't, that wasn't my experience that I had in the military, particularly in the Marine Corps, is that that, of all the organizations I've ever worked in and around and for, it was the Marine Corps that encouraged me to, um, uh, it was almost my obligation uh, to challenge um, mm-hmm. and at times, you know, I had my shot and I'd get my part to, or my time to challenge and it may or may not sway the decision. Once the decision's made, we just went on, you know, and that's one thing and, I really appreciated about the Marine Corps. And your, your, your capabilities of, of a leader, even if you have people who are blindly following, you know, the person above you is watching, you know, they're watching how people are following you. And if they see, bad leadership is being blindly followed because of the of just how the organization structured i mean you're going to lose your job so quickly yeah uh, because even though you have troops that are um that are following those orders you know if you're an, if you're being a if you're a bad leader at it, if you're giving bad orders or if you're going about the wrong way i mean you know other leadership's going to notice that and they're going to call you out on it and it's a place where one thing I loved about the Marine Corps is it's a place where, you know, leaders take a lot of pride in their position as a leader and they will not let a bad leader tarnish that reputation. Right. Um, you know, so if you're if you're in a shop of, of four sergeants, you know, and, you know, you got three efficient sergeants and you have one that's kind of a dirtbag, you know, those three are not going to tolerate that one's inefficient leadership right. because, you know, there's a lot of pride in being able to say that, you know, our unit, our shop, our, you know, our Marine Corps has amazing leadership, but we're not letting you misrepresent that. One thing I really appreciated about the Marine Corps, too, and I, I haven't seen this in, in any of the civilian organizations that I've worked for and with, and even the ones that I coach, um, I don't see it as much. If I do see it, it's somebody that was in the military or even the, in particularly the Marine Corps. But especially when I was a young officer and you found those really high quality um, staff NCOs and they behind the scenes took you literally and figuratively, you know, put their arm around you and said, sir, this is how it's done. You know, I, you know, you take care of us. I'll take care of you. That type of mentality, that kind of behind the scenes, the private taking care of, you know, I don't know. I mean, I just thought that was such a, a a unique special relationship that I haven't seen anywhere else. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Especially coming from the enlisted side of the house. Did you, did you see that? Um, I mean, did I see like uh, just different kinds of leadership in the Marine Corps than than I saw otherwise? Yeah. Did you what I just described right there? Was that something that was you know? Did you see that from your end in the Marine Corps and not so much see it on on the outside? Is that is, is what I described? Is that unique? Do you think to the Marine Corps? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I will admit that my, you know, so I was in the fleet for only a year and a half and the first six months of that was, was training and boot camp and stuff. Right. 
Um, and then the other three years, I was a Marine Security Guard, which has just it oh, had a, a really different, different yeah. uh, structure, you know, because you're you're an NCO amongst other NCOs and a corporal and a sergeant just, you know, corporals address sergeant by their rank. But other than that, you're all sort of the same. Right. Um, and, and there's weren't a lot of Lance corporals and you had one staff NCO and that was pretty much it. Um, and so everybody's sort of considered to be independent and be their own leader, which is I think is something that. The, you don't that the Marine Corps does for you that you don't get to actually see when you're in the fleet is even though you have all these followers to one leader or um, different styles of leadership and with a different uh, set of followers, I think one thing the Marine Corps does a really great job of is teaching everybody to act, to be an independent leader. Yeah. Um, you know, so if the time comes like, boom, you need to be a leader right now, you, you, you're able to. Um, and I, that's one thing that the MSG program was able to, to show me and help me uh, really build upon. But I mean, to answer your question, yes, I, I think it's de- that's definitely uh, what you described is definitely unique to uh, the Marine Corps. And I haven't really seen anything similar to that yet, uh, other than maybe like security agencies and contracting jobs that are often founded by right, um, military, military personnel. Right. Um, otherwise, things are you know, a little bit more... Um, you know, people's leadership are within their job description, you know, and that's, I think that's a big difference too, is, you know, when you're a leader at some company, um, you're leading based off of what your job description is, what your responsibilities are and what their responsibilities are. Um, but in the Marine Corps, you know, you lead people in so many different aspects of life that it's, it's definitely unique. Yeah. And I would just, you know, I think companies would be better suited or vested to kind of adopt that style of leadership, you know, that you're a leader in all aspects of your lives. And it's not just about your position in title. I think that's one of the biggest vacuums that I see anyway, in my corporate experience is that if you just, I know there's no allegiance. You're right. Because when you just go there, there's no allegiance. I mean, the good leaders are the ones that do it. Like you said, all around, there's a vested interest, um, to see the individual succeed. And, um, I definitely saw it more in the Marine Corps, you know, go ahead. Were you going to say something? Yeah, well, I was, I was going to say it's something that, and I, being on the other side, I w- you know, I would have a hard time having an employer try to get into these aspects of my life. But like, you know, a big difference is, you know, you got a Marine that's not acting as he usually does. His performance isn't up. You ask what's going on and he's having maritable problems. Well, the unit, the leadership, the, you know, the base all have resources to help that Marine out and smooth that over because that's, it's essential for that Marine to be, t- you know, in top performance to be able to effectively accomplish the mission. Whereas in the corporate life, if you know, if you know, Jimmy in the corner has marital problems, I mean, it's, it's, that's it, right? You just know that it exists, you know, and as long as it doesn't quote unquote, you know, come to the office, then it's not that big of a deal when really, you know, that's negatively affecting the office and the workspace and productivity. But, you know, just because of how the private sector works, it's not an area of their life they can really get involved in. And I think that's a huge difference. You know, that's a great point. You know, I had marital problems when I, I'd probably been on the Marine Corps, uh, I guess about five or six years. And it was going through a period, you know, we were talking about that search for significance. I mean, that was a huge deal for me coming from, you know, the fact that I was a pilot in the Marine Corps. I mean, I didn't realize how much I put stock in that. You know, unfortunately, I put too much stock in that, but and it led to me for searching for a lot of significance, um, and led to to marital problems. And it was you're funny that you bring that up because in my mind, I wanted to deal with it like I dealt in the Marine Corps. There's a lot of people I could turn to and say, I mean, I I would literally have no problems going to my skipper or the XO saying, Hey, this is what's going on at home. But it was different. Mm-hmm. It was different in the in the 
corporate world at some point I had to at some point because it was going to if I didn't people would start perceiving things and I just I did go and I think it was because of that experience in the Marine Corps I was able to do that but the reaction was totally different um, on the civilian side no one wanted, it, no one wanted to get involved not that I necessarily need them to get involved but I don't know it was just different right and I, I think what's really, I th- I'm trying to think back at times you know I'm thinking about how gossip and rumors and stuff go on in the military versus otherwise and it's funny thinking back at it thinking that think about the times that I've heard people like talk about other people's personal life it was in the end all it was doing was questioning their so it was still questioning who they were as a marine you know or how they were as their job title and it wasn't about who they were as a person or a husband or a wife or a father or nothing it's still no matter what the issue was or what 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 rumors or what gossip was being told it was still in the end questioning well, what does that mean about who they are as a Marine? And on the, you know, in the private sector, you know, it's, it's, you know, we're questioning who you are in that circumstance that you're in and not necessarily who you are in the workplace, despite what's going on at home. Right. That's a great point. Or outside, you know, in your personal life. Well, what's next for you? You just launched the um, one to two mini podcast. It's just brand new, even just last week, right? I mean, is that was your first one was last week. Yes, June 9th was the it was episode one, um, and they'll be they'll be releasing every Monday um, until until the program is no longer effective. I originally set it out to be a twelve episode program. Um, I it got resounding support and i didn't want to deprive anybody you know if people came to me wanting to share their story i didn't want to tell them no just because in my head i had pictured this 12 episode program so um i've decided to leave it open-ended and i will continue doing it as long as i believe that it's effective and have stories to share perfect and um, quick shout out for your other podcast veteran empire what um we, we didn't talk much about it but what is the mission behind that podcast yeah, Veteran Empire, um, it's my longest running podcast. I've done it for over two years now. Um, coming at, you know, I'm in I'm in the eighties right now for episodes and um it it just highlights and, and it spotlights military veterans and their creative and aspiring passions, you know. So I get a lot of authors, a lot of uh a lot of models, musicians, actors, um, illustrators. Um we try to really embrace the creativeness, um, you know, because I think that's one that's one aspect of people that or that's one aspect of being a human that I think that we don't really project on the veterans and the military people or like this creative lifestyle. Um, so we try to spotlight that a little bit. But I also like talking to entrepreneurs and um, and other people that I believe they're just doing kick ass things and outside their military career. Great. Love what you're doing. How can people get in touch with you? Where can they find you? VeteranEmpire.com slash podcast is where you can learn more about that show. Uh, the one one too many project.com o n e the number two many project.com uh, is where you can learn more about that um, if you actually go into iTunes and search Timothy Lawson um, I'm prominent enough on there to where all you'll see is my stuff so um, that's I'm I feel extremely privileged that you can just type my name into iTunes and see all of my work that I'm doing so awesome um, yeah that's probably the easiest way to check out my my podcast if that's what you're interested in doing. Well, check out his stuff, folks. Uh, go to one, especially One Too Many Veteran Suicide. It's a brand new podcast. Uh, it would do well to take a listen, leave a rating and review. It's going to help, especially in the early stages of the podcast, to get him into new and noteworthy so more people can get uh, familiar with this podcast. I'll certainly promote this on my link, and you can rest assured I'm going to listen to this and leave a rating and review today. Tim, thanks for coming on the show, and uh, there will be links to all this on the blog post when I get this posted. Again, uh, simplify, and thanks for coming on. Rah! Rah! 
Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 